0: Happy Thanksgiving week, everybody. Welcome to the NFL weekly preview here on Roto Grinders. I'm Justin Carlucci alongside TJ Lasig. What's
1: up, TJ? Good to see you again, man. Justin, happy Monday. As always, excited for, for Thanksgiving week. Always one of the, the more fun DFS slates of the year, I would say. So definitely looking forward to, to getting into that and, and also doing a, a look back here at the week 11 slate and, and everything that went down there. It was a, a bit of an interesting slate, I would say overall. We had Taysom Hill week, Taysom Hill at tight end on FanDuel, which was funny to see. And uh yeah, wasn't wasn't my best my best week personally, but but not the worst either. It just it's an interesting, interesting week eleven slate. I feel like I never never fully got got a grasp <laughs> for it. Just not a, a ton of plays that I loved going into it and you know, just yeah, interesting one wasn't a lot to love.
0: Yeah. The the 1 p.m. games, they were all fairly low scoring. I remember checking my app at, like, the beginning of the second quarter. I think there were seven games going on, and not a single team had 14 points. I mean, just at a chance, you'd think someone would have scored twice out of seven games in the first quarter. So we did have bad weather in one game. You know, the Eagles-Browns was painful to watch. And, uh, you know, Brown's defense paid their dividends, picked sixth Wentz. Sorry to bring up a sore subject. You know, just to review some things that we saw. And that was one for me because the Eagles were on local here in PA, as I had some other games on the Sunday ticket stream. But I know the weather was bad. But at some point, like, Carson Wentz just has to play better, TJ. I know I'm preaching to the choir, and I definitely want your take, especially when he got safety. He knew he had to get rid of the ball, and he he just didn't. So it's for every five good Wentz plays, there's like one that is just so bush league. I'm pretty pro Wentz. I just don't know how much further I can walk the plank. You want the guy to succeed. He's a smart guy. He has dealt with a ton of injuries on his team, et cetera. But I know we talked briefly and you think maybe, you know, an injury of his own kind of changed the direction of maybe his process whether he's not physically where he wants to be or is it a mental thing so what's up with Carson man
1: it's hard to say it's been I mean it's been a couple of years now since since he had his you know potential MVP looking season and goes down late with an injury and has hasn't been the same since and it, it's getting tough to watch like you said there's just so many plays where he inexplic- inexplicably just holding on to the ball far too long telegraphing passes like you said I mean it just it's really it's really tough to watch and I don't I don't even know what the path forward is here for the Eagles obviously Carson Wentz is still still a young guy and still has a a full career ahead of him but at some point we're gonna have to make that decision of, of is he the quarterback of the future or or do we we throw in the towel on him. So I still have some faith, but I think I lose a little bit of that faith each and every week as the Eagles and the really the NFC East as a whole is just a complete, complete dumpster fire and just a war of attrition at this point in terms of who's going to, going to end up winning that division with probably at the end of the day, like seven wins, I imagine gets the division done.
0: If Miles Sanders, wasn't kind of like half made of glass i feel like they would just feed him as much as they can but i feel like every game i'm kind of holding my breath with miles sanders just with all the injuries he's dealt with so far like he hasn't proven that he can really take hits for fourth quarters and he had 16 carries for 66 yards i felt like he had 25 carries because he looked really good every time he touched the ball i, I thought he looked really good you know, dallas goddard was involved on the flip side you no know, kareem hunt 13 carries only 11 yards Nick Chubb had a big 50-plus yard run late in the game, uh, 114 yards. He's looked great since he's came back from injury. It's kind of tough to pick between Chubb and Hunt on a given day. You know, you can't run 40 times every game just due to game flow, although Cleveland would love to. But, man, do I love Nick Chubb playing in the pouring rain. And, of course, in Wentz's defense and Baker Mayfield, it didn't look great either. It was pouring. But I love Nick Chubb going out there, doesn't wear gloves, just has the taped up fingers. That's a man out there. Nick Chubb's back. Brutal loss for the Birds. I, I looked at their schedule, and I, it's possible they don't win until Christmas or maybe ever again, right? Like you got There's a gauntlet of, of a schedule left for the Birds, right, TJ?
1: Yeah, it's not looking good. I mean, at any, any of the matchups outside of the in-division ones, I feel like exactly like you said, you just wonder are they really going to <laughs> kind of find a way back into the win column and I think they're, they're the Monday night game this week right against Seattle so everyone will get to to watch them in prime time on Monday night everyone gets that that lovely treat of watching Carson Wentz and the Eagles firsthand fun fun for everyone
0: <laughs> you know a, a guy who was in a lot of GPP winners was Deshaun Watson we talked about that game and uh, how we thought it was a little sneaky. Maybe the over-under was a little low. And I think it was 48 when we talked about it. So the over-under, actually, the under hit. Uh, they had, uh 27-20 Texans won that game against New England. But both quarterbacks threw for a ton of yards. Deshaun, 344, two passing touchdowns, a uh, rushing touchdown and 36 rushing yards. So Deshaun really, I mean, he had a ton of points, but... Like, he was tough to pair with. So I'm curious. I should really go back and look at results DB on Roto-Grinders and see you know, what Deshaun was any of these winning lineups because he spread the ball around. I mean, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, ten different receivers. Uh, Brandon Cooks, four for 85, no touchdowns. Will Fuller, six for 80, no touchdowns. He threw his two touchdowns to Kiki Kuti and Randall Cobb, who combined for 17 total yards. So, you know, neither of them were likely in the winner as well. Uh, and Deshaun's t- other touchdown was on the ground. So just a weird distribution of, you know, fantasy points stacking there um, because Ka, or uh, excuse me, Cooks in and Fuller didn't really hit value. On the other side of the ball, Cam Newton threw for, t- threw for 360 uh, against this decimated Texas defense. And instead of, our guy over there, uh, Jacoby Myers, it was uh, Bird who went off for six for a buck 32 and a score. So the, the the quarterback plays were there on both sides. It's just uh, the popular targets to pair them with wasn't the case on Sunday.
1: Yep, definitely. And and as I, I look across some results from different contests of different sizes, there was definitely some Deshaun Watson winning lineups in different tournaments. It looks like it was mostly a mix of Deshaun Watson lineups or Justin Herbert lineups that took down a lot of the tournaments. And, and then the Taysom Hill lineup took down the, the Millie maker.
0: The naked I, guess, Hill I guess we lineup. should go there. <laughs> I guess we should go to Falcon
1: Saints. So talk to me. Yeah. I mean, it was a, it was a unique spot coming into the week because we kind of got the news that Taysom Hill was starting and then it was kind of like, well, maybe he is or isn't. It, there, there was definitely some uncertainty there. But, I mean, I think by the time 1 o'clock on Sunday rolled around, it was pretty clear that, that Taysom Hill was at least going to be taking the large, large majority of the snaps at quarterback for the Saints. And that, that's exactly what ended up happening here. And I played him in, in cash as my quarterback on DraftKings at, at 4,800. Just thought that, that the savings was too good to pass up. And definitely was a little bit worried in that first half. He didn't get a ton going. And I think a lot of people are surprised that they basically just didn't seem to tailor the game plan much around the fact that Taysom Hill was quarterback. I mean, they were they were trying to run their their standard offense, but then down the stretch, Taysom ends up getting into the end zone with his legs twice. Not not on design runs. I think they were both just kind of dropping back and and scrambling, find the opening and get into the end zone. But yeah, I mean, it's a unique situation. And then of course the, the FanDuel thing, I mean, the fact that you were able to play him not only at tight end on FanDuel, but as basically a minimum price tight end on FanDuel. I mean, he was like 90% owned in, in just about everything. So Taysom Hill week arrived and, and he certainly met value 25 DraftKings points at 4,800. And that game in general was, was one of the more interesting ones on the slate and, Julio Jones, I mean, can he? does he ever not get slightly injured at some point during a game? Like, I guess at this point, if, if you roster Julio Jones, you know that that at some point he's going to be hurt. So I thought that, that was another thing. And then one other notable soundbite that I heard was that I think it was Kamara's first ever game where he didn't catch a single pass. So that's, that's what Taysom Hill will do to you. Sorry, Kamara.
0: Yes, yeah, like Taysom Hill rediscovered Michael Thomas. Like, he's been hiding since he came back. 12 targets for Thomas, nine catches, 104 yards. Clearly, this could be a thing going forward. Instead of freaking out and checking it down to Camara when you're in trouble, Taysom Hill's just going to run, right? So might as well. And, uh, yeah, 10 rushing attempts for Hill, two touchdowns. Didn't do a lot through the air against a horrible Atlanta defense. Uh, on the flip side, I did play Matt Ryan in a GPP. It didn't work out for me. I figured New Orleans would kind of funnel the run. And they did. They shut down Gurley in that run game. There was only 14 rushing attempts. So if you would tell me Atlanta would only run the ball 14 times, I would say I probably got a pretty good score from Matt Ryan and whoever I paired with him. Just wasn't the case. Three field goals the whole game for Atlanta against a Marshawn lattimore list defense. Pretty bad. Pretty bad performance from, from the Falcons. Not like they had high expectations, but I expect a little bit more of a better game environment. So kind of a letdown for me there. Uh yeah, Julio Jones banged up. He uh, is considered a game-time decision for this coming weekend as of right now. So I can't even tell you to look into Russell Gage because every time I try to play Russell Gage, when either Ridley or Julio are hurt, they throw the ball to uh, Zucchini or whatever his name is. So I'm not even going to make a recommendation on on who to play there. Just keep an eye on that Julio news because obviously Ridley would would be uh, demanding some more – Target shares and and things like that. You know, we saw his numbers about Julio. They were amazing throughout the beginning of the year. But anything else on this game you want to jump somewhere else? I did want to remind everyone that we're going to eventually focus on the three-game Thanksgiving slate. There's plenty of other content uh, for the main card. And Roto Grinders, check out Roto Grinders Premium. A lot of great stuff there. But we just kind of want to catch everybody up, and uh, we'll talk about the Thanksgiving Day slate, which there's already a ton of
1: news. Did you have any Falcons exposure, TJ? Uh, I did not have much Falcons exposure, actually, this time around. I think I had I had one, one lineup where I ran Taysom and then uh, had Julio on a, on a run back. But didn't have a ton on the Falcons, which, which was fortunate because they obviously didn't put up much this week. Uh, I mean, one of the games I was pretty focused on that also didn't work out was the the Bengals football team game of course one of the sad injury news coming out of this week is is Joe Burrow going down and, and he'll be be out for the rest of this season so what was it I think it was an MCL that he came down with so hopefully everything is okay in his recovery and that he'll be able to come back into next season fully healthy but obviously never happy to see a big, big name, young guy go down like that—just an unfortunate circumstance. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm, lo- I'm looking at the, I'm looking at the games playing back now. And Char- Chargers Jets was another one that that I was on. That was actually the the one tournament lineup I had kind of saved my day. Just had a had a Herbert, Keenan Allen, Balage, and then run it back with Mims as a cheap run back option. So. Herbert continues to, to play pretty well here, and Keenan Allen is just just a monster every single week. That, that target share is always going to be there. He's someone that, that we talk about being kind of in play on cash every, every single week. His, his price is finally starting to creep up there, but I still think that he, he tends to be underpriced and just comes with such a high floor with the number of targets that, that he's seeing in that offense. And Balazs had, had an okay game as well but as expected they 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 took it to the Jets pretty handily
0: yeah it's amazing what Herbert has done for that offense I mean just their willingness to be more aggressive on early downs and um all those guys Mike Williams scored a touchdown it's like all these guys are in play in cash or GPP pretty much every week and a funny note on Keenan Allen I was scrolling through some some Facebook memories or something and I must have liked the post from 2015 one of the best shows ever the league. And it was a clip with, uh with Ruxin and Pete talking about like putting Keenan Allen on their team. And I'm like, wow, it feels like Keenan Allen's been around for 20 years already and the guy's only 28. So, you know, the guy's still in his prime and I'm excited to see, you know, not that Phil Rivers was horrible, but I mean, Herbert will just sling it, man. And he loves throwing to Keenan Allen. So I guess I thought he was like around thirty already. He's only twenty eight. Just seems like he's been like just consistent. He's been had some injuries, but he's just been like consistently producing for for so long already. And like you said, price is getting up there. But ever watch the league TJ on FX? Oh yeah,
1: yeah. I I haven't seen every episode, but it was a good it's a good show. It's just fun, very relatable
0: for sure. Very relatable. Very relatable. <laughs> very relatable. A little sad that it's that finally off the air. I think the best episode ever was. Um, I don't know if you caught the one. I forget. It was the season premiere right after the Seahawks lost the Super Bowl with Marshawn Lynch and mm-hmm. uh, handing the ball off. And, uh, you know, they, they kind of made fun of that when Marshawn made an appearance. So that was pretty cool. I funny. do Which remember that one. years yeah. ago already, man. Time I know. It's crazy. was um, a great show. One consistency throughout the years, TJ, is, and I know we talked about this on last week's podcast, and you definitely gave it your stamp of approval, is that Aaron Rodgers is matchup proof. Three hundred yards, three touchdowns. Devontae Adams, high floor, high ceiling. Seven catches, a buck six, a touchdown. I cannot believe they lost that game. That was just a crazy sequence. Frank Drake, man, he gave Jonathan Taylor twenty-two carries. Naeem Hines didn't get a single carry after being a rock star the week before. In um, a game script, you think would totally suit him. Uh, he only saw four targets, three catches for thirty yards. So, thought that was interesting. I, the The indie running back situation just kind of reminds me of the Rams. Like, good luck, whoever the coach sees fit for that day. I mean, even if you think he's a fit, you might be wrong, and it's hard to put your finger on. But, yeah, 20-plus carries for John Taylor I thought was was interesting. But personally, for me, that's just, like, not something you can bank on happening until we see it for three or four consecutive weeks.
1: Yeah, it really does seem to be a guessing game on any – on any individual week on who's getting getting the action there and I know that that on the other side of the ball there Derrick Henry had himself a pretty decent game we talked about how he was going to get no ownership coming in and let's, I think he came in like 15 percent in a lot of spots which is actually 10-15 percent which is a little higher than I even thought that he was going to be but just shows that he's always got Always got upside potential, although did not did not outscore Dalvin, which I guess was the, the pivot that you were hoping for but um right yeah, that indie backfield is just uh-huh. i don't know I don't know what to do with it, and it seems like a yeah it'll be a gPP only type of play. but they they've shown some upside on as individuals
0: and I know you're piggybacking on this because Indy will face the Titans again in a quick rematch, so kind of got the Henry versus Colts. Match-up from a couple prime primetime uh, slates to go. And, um, yeah, gritty win. You know, let's talk about the Titans real quick. And Baltimore, because Baltimore is on Thursday's slate, so I guess we can kind of tie that in with, with the, the slate we're going to talk about here on Thanksgiving. And, you know, Titans scored first early in the game, then they kind of disappeared for two and a half quarters, as they typically do, and then they rallied and uh, somehow found an answer to get a couple stops late in the game got to stop in OT, got the ball, went right down the field. You know, they got some big contributions from A.J. Brown. They have three practice squad linemen in who who held their own. And uh, Kenny Vaccaro didn't play defensively. And Jayon Brown's out for the year. And Dory Jackson's out defensively. And I mean, there's a team that is missing a million people. And I did not think they'd be able to go into Baltimore and get a win, which, which speaks highly of their ability to bounce back after the special teams debacle against the Colts. Well, on the flip side, I mean, it's very worrisome for the Ravens, who were missing some personnel themselves, uh, especially a couple key defensive linemen, which, you know, eventually kind of opened the door for Henry to, to seal the game. So, man, I mean, Lamar and company, you know, they've had their ups and downs offensively for sure this season. And if you can kind of contain Lamar and – you know, Marquise Brown has some big drops. I don't even know what he is at this point. He's not a possession receiver. Yeah. Whenever he goes deep, you know, Lamar can't hit him. So you basically just have like Hollywood Brown, sometimes Mark Andrews, and Willie Sneed. So, wow. I mean, do you have any takeaways from from this from this game, and then you know, lead us into Thursday with the COVID news too?
1: Yeah, it's a it's a interesting thing to figure out for this coming slate because. Yeah, Marquise Brown, zero points, got three targets, zero catches, and he just hasn't been a factor at all this year. So it's it's hard to to go back there now. Obviously, we know from last year that he has that big play kind of slate breaking ability, but he's just not even getting much usage at this point, and so it's 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 a little tough to go back to the Marquise. Brownwell. I think it's something that we're definitely going to have to consider on this, this three-game slate. And yeah, like you said, there's all kinds of COVID news coming out right now with regards to the Baltimore-Pitt game. I think we saw come through that that both Dobbins and Ingram are not going to be playing on Thursday. So we should see a heavy dose of Gus Edwards in the backfield for Baltimore. I think that He'll quickly emerge as as a chalkier option. I mean, we're we'll probably just start diving into this slate because it's not it's not the most clear slate in terms of you know where where we want to go. A lot of the a lot of the biggest names in fantasy and most reliable skill position players are are not on this slate. We we have Zeke Elliott, who I think would formerly have been considered one of those big names, but but hasn't necessarily been himself just given the the situation in Dallas this week and I think that this this Baltimore pit game and how this plays out is going to be going to be pretty important I think that Mark Andrews was a popular play last week at the tight end position and, and likely will be on Thanksgiving as well I think that it's certainly fine to get to him he always has that dual touchdown upside. But yeah, I can't I can't quite figure out what's going on with Lamar. I mean, he's just not it's just not what he was last year. I mean, he still seems like he's still getting these rushing attempts. Let's see, last couple of games, 13, 11, 13 and 16 attempts rushing the ball, but he's not really he's getting more in the 50-60 yard range whereas I feel like last year he was he was running for 80, 90, 100 yards, which obviously makes a huge difference from a fantasy perspective. Totally agree. Another
0: big takeaway: Des Bryant, fifty-four percent of snaps. After missing Week Ten, and then Week Nine, he played two snaps. So was he? He must have been inactive Week Ten. Then he comes in. I mean, they must be searching for for a, for anything for a spark. He had four catches for forty some yards. He had a big play in the fourth quarter. I mean, he. You know, I'm not saying he looked like old Dez, but I mean. He outsnapped Miles Boykin by 20 snaps. You know, Dunerve, you know, he's a gadget guy. And you got Willie Sneed. Like, I get it. Like, I'm a big Willie Sneed showdown slate guy. Lock him in, love my Willie Sneed. But, you know, Marquise Brown has, you know, dropping the ball. So, so what do you do? I think you're desperate at this point. So, I mean, <laughs> on a three game yeah. slate, Maybe Des is kind of sneaky. I mean, it's, oh, God, I want to throw up saying I might play some <laughs> Dez Bryant. But who, like, I don't know, not like hashtag play whoever you want, but man. And then you got, you know, man price Gus Edwards against a very stingy run defense. It's it's very hard to bust in PPR formats when you're 4k, but is it possible Pittsburgh, you know, shuts them down? Yeah. I mean, they're one of the best defenses in the league, but you know, 4k everybody's going to be going there for value. Obviously I would, you know, expect his ownership to be on the other side of 50 and probably on a three gamer if the game even plays right. Um, so yeah, they, they're tough to figure out, but at least, you know, where the work is going. Uh, I mean, that's just a hard three headed monster to really, to really figure out. And, you know, with all the RPO, Lamar runs, you know, Gus has to be at least in your, your player pool to some extent, if you're multi entering probably.
1: Yeah, definitely. And and we're still waiting on some, some other injury news at the running back position for Thursday. DeAndre Swift will be the big one to see if he's able to be back in. I know that Antonio Gibson came down with a little something, but I think that he's probably going to be fine. Just looking at the running back position as a whole. And then, yeah, I mean, there, there's not, not a ton to love at the position on this slate. I think it makes the slate interesting as a whole because there's no one clear standout game or really any clear standout plays outside of of Gus Edwards. So I think it will be set up really nicely for tournaments. And especially on the the three-game slate, I think the concept of the game stacks becomes even more important and I think even more aggressive, just conceptually thinking about a three-game slate think it's much more viable to to run full onslaught lineups where you're taking five six players from one game sticking them into one lineup and really you're just hoping right that that one game shoots out and that the other two games don't shoot out as much so it's a lot more viable to to jam in a bunch of people from from different teams so that that's likely how I will go about Making my tournament lineups on Thursday is, is just picking a couple different ways. I think that that's – because, I, I again, I don't look at these games and clearly think that there's one that, that I want to target over another, so I'll probably try to get a bunch of different exposures and just focus more on the, the construction and the, the full onslaught game stacking among the games.
0: I think James Conner is interesting in that game – we thought his get right spot might be the one where they had like a 29 team total against the Jaguars, got vultured by Benny Snell, didn't have more than 90 yards. I don't know. I would just be super impressed if Big Ben and his, you know, cast of receivers who are very good went out there and were able to just throw all over the Ravens. I would be surprised if that, if that happened. I mean, they're playing elite football, so I guess it's possible. But the last couple of weeks we saw Damien Harris, And, yeah, New England Patriots play some power football. We saw Henry eventually grind away at them, and um, obviously he paid dividends with a pretty banged-up offensive line. And I would keep an eye on that injury report for Thursday. If Brandon Williams, stud nose tackle, if he's out again, and if Calais Campbell's out again, um, you know, that leaves you with some real vulnerability in the middle. And I don't know it just feels like one of those spots where James Conner is disappointed everybody and their mothers at this point, And they're going up against you know Baltimore slug fast. And I wouldn't be shocked if he dumped it in twice and everybody was like, wow, this is the game. Really? Really? This is the game. Um, yeah. Just sucks for his owners. Vultured by Benny Snell uh, against the Jaguars. But I mean, Pittsburgh looks good, man. You know, the juju birthday narrative. He tripped on a penalty flag, tweaked his, his foot. I think he's fine though, but you know, Claypool's a touchdown machine. If Deontay Johnson doesn't get hurt at the beginning of the game, he sees hella volume every week and Juju's kind of just that hitter, like whether or not he's gonna be involved, kinda third fiddle, and it's like Eric Ebron and company don't even exist at tight end. So I don't know, what do you think about the Pittsburgh, you know, side of the ball and more dominoes probably have to fall with the COVID news before we make um more analysis, I suppose.
1: Yeah, the Pittsburgh side of the ball definitely gonna interest me in this one. Like we said, when when Deontay Johnson is healthy, he's he's just a, a target beast and, and has been performing as well. So let's take a look at his last last couple of games here. Last four full games, 16, 11, 10, and 15 targets. Obviously just a a crazy workload there. He's probably the highest floor wide receiver option in this Pittsburgh offense, but then we have Claypool who you mentioned as well. I mean he's he's shown the knack of getting in the end zone, four touchdowns in his last four games, uh just has that that big playability. Really talented receiver, obviously. So I think that Pittsburgh stacks will will be pretty popular and, and certainly something that that I'll be looking to go to. Hopefully juju will be okay after tripping on the penalty flag i have a feeling that that he'll be fine and in the mix as well and maybe he's the 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 contrarian leverage option here if, if more people are going to gravitate towards johnson and towards claypool i think that that mixing in juju is fine and i mean you mentioned eric ebron he hasn't done much but at the same time a lot of tight ends have not done much so Think those are, those are the kinds of people that that we need to look at on a three game slate like this, where you zoom out onto a full slate, and and Eric Ebron's not going to be on the radar. But again, you start to mix it in here, and that's where you can have, you have a stack with say so you already have a, a Ben, Deontay Johnson and Claypool lineup on these three game slates. That's when you can add Ebron also on top of that and create that that kind of mega stack onslaught, just in the hopes that that the game shoots out and that the Steelers score a bunch of points. So I'm mostly interested in the passing game here, but, but you are, you are right in that James Connor is someone that, that we can look to don't love, don't love it, but I feel like he's got to have a breakout spot eventually. I also feel like he's going to be the guy that gets talked about all week as like the leverage play. And then by the time Thursday hits, he's not going to be, as much leverage anymore because everyone would have spent all, all week talking about him. But yeah, basically I'm interested in everything on on the Pittsburgh side. I think that they're, they're just looking really efficient as an office or as an offense right now.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, We could backtrack chronologically. And we talked about the Texans earlier and a little bit of Detroit. They're the 12 o'clock game. Got to check on Kenny Galladay. I know he practiced practiced in a limited capacity Monday. Amendola, not sure. DeAndre Swift, we're not sure. Listen, the Lions got shut out by Carolina. How hurt is Matthew Stafford? Because I would love to go Matthew Stafford against Houston. Like, I would love to make that play. I mean, he didn't score a single point. They didn't even kick a field goal. Stafford was 18 of 33. I, I'm worried there. I'm worried. I, that's the spot I would want to go to. I, You know? Because Deshaun had a monster game, and that offense is good, and I'm sure Watson will be very popular Thursday, right? I mean, he's, he's the only guy with, I, that has been consistently flashing his upside. Plus, he has legs rushing upside. But – I don't know what to ha- – I just, like, if Matt Stafford is not close to even 90%, then I, I'm a little worried with those pieces. It's a great matchup, which is which is the uh, unfortunate part too. Know, do, you have, do you have a feel for that at all? Have you seen anything?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. I, I agree. I mean, I would love to, to be able to play Stafford in this spot. I think it sets up really well from a game environment standpoint. Like you said, great matchup against Houston. We know that Houston is is likely to put up points as well, so Stafford should should continue to have to throw in this game. He comes in at fifty eight hundred, which is a nice, nice cheap price tag. So I'm assuming that Galladay is gonna be out again at this point.
0: Looks like DeAndre Swift sat out practice on
1: Monday. Yeah. Seems like, I mean, at this point I, I would say most likely is that both of them are out again. So in that case, I really – I mean, I'm not playing Adrian Peterson. No thanks. Uh, I'm out on that. What did he? oh, yeah, he had seven carries for 18 yards last week. So uh, I'm not super interested in, in either Peterson or carry on Johnson. So actually I think that taking a shot at some Stafford stacks – pairing him with, with Marvin Jones and with Hawkinson, I think that is is a very viable option, that triple stack. And I mean who else even beyond that could we really go to? I know that at Hall, I guess, is the third option in that that offense. But that's just that's pretty much a dark throw at this point, I would say. So if you're if you're stacking up the Lions really doing it through Stafford, Hawkinson and Marvin Jones, assuming that Galladay and Swifter are, are both out again. That's such a
0: vomit stack. It's such a gross combination of players. To
1: It is. There's, there's not a lot of – man, that's why it's going to be a unique slate because there's not a lot of stacks that you love. But we have to play someone. I mean, I, I agree with what you said. I think the Watson will, will certainly be the highest-owned quarterback and stacks, I imagine. And for good reason. I mean, if I'm building a cash team, that's the first place I'm looking for sure.
0: Absolutely. No doubt. Like, they're going to put up points at, for sure. Um, okay, that wasn't a guarantee. I mean, the NFL is wacky, but they're in a great spot. <laughs> Nothing's guaranteed anymore. I, I'm with you 100% on that. And, you know, Cooks and Fuller uh, both have a chance to really get right after not scoring last week against New England.
1: Yep. Agreed. And then I think – I think this is where someone like Akins, for example, comes into play. Again, I'm trying to think of those, like, third-level pieces to tack on to to a stack on the shorter slate. Tight ends, a fine position to do it because you're not giving up a ton. I mean, when we look at this list of tight ends, right, we've had enough main slates where the tight end position fails as a whole. So on a three-game slate, I mean, yeah, we we have Andrews and Hawkinson who have been okay and had some – some decent ceilings, but it's just not likely that anyone from the tight end position is going to completely blow everyone out of the water. So if you want to do things like trying to make your Watson stack a little bit more unique by adding on Aikens, I, I'd like doing something like that as well. And then obviously running it back on, on the other side. Amendola hasn't done a, a, a ton for us lately, huh? What's no. his deal. Oh, and he was out last week, so he's also injured. Man, the line's got all kinds of injuries going yeah. on.
0: Yeah, it's bad right now in Motor City. I don't know. I I think my only recommendation would be, you know, check out some Detroit b writers throughout the week, guys and girls, and see what they're saying. I mean, they're not reporting any Stafford setbacks, but he just played so poorly. And I get everybody has a bad game. This was just kind of otherworldly bad. Uh, speaking of bad, everything's shutting down across America. Tough to get haircuts sometimes into barber shops, so you got to take care of yourself. So, you might as well take damn good care of yourself. Check out Manscaped, and I know you're probably thinking, you're like, well, Manscaped is just for only you know, taking care of those jingle balls, but that's not always the case. I mean, they some good gift ideas here. They have some good packages. Uh, check out what Manscaped has right here: Premium Performance Package, the Ultimate Men's Hygiene Bundle, perfect gift. They have. Uh, really good tools for trimming that nose hair, that ear hair, everything you need to look good for the holidays. If you can't make that barbershop appointment, if they can't take your mask off and do your beard, if you're like me, you just suck at shaving your own face like you're 15, it's very possible. Manscaped, one-stop shop for everything, regardless of where you're grooming. Check out manscaped.com. Get 20% off and free shipping with the promo code ROTO, that's R-O-T-O, at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Promo code R-O-T-O. Worry less. Let their premium products take care of you if you can't get in to look good for the holidays. You know, those holiday photos where you're wearing those you know, turtlenecks and, you know, the sweaters and you're going over to your girlfriends or your parents or whatever you're doing and ah, just just a lot of fun. You might as well look good while you're doing it. So get on over there, check out, or the in-laws, whatever, you know, just the fun stuff, you know, well, I'm, I'm having a very low key Thanksgiving with everything going on and not doing any traveling and, you know, my girlfriend's like, well, you know, are you okay with just kind of chilling at home? I'm like, are you going to twist my arm to sit here and eat and drink and watch uninterrupted football and not have terrible, fake, you know, um, water cooler talk with people I don't particularly care about? Yeah, it sounds horrible. Like, count me out.
1: Of course. Yeah, this, this could be a Thanksgiving for the ages. I mean, just nothing but football. I'm doing the same thing. Lower key get together, immediate family only. It's Whereas great. typically, you know, you'd have the aunts and the uncles. And like you said, yeah, all small talk. No yeah. small talk, just football. Hopefully printing some winning lineups in the yeah, process.
0: So when I play Marvin Hall and he drops a bomb, I could let out an F-bomb and not feel like, had that rage stuck inside of me if I'm around like awkward extended family where they just wouldn't understand that I'm yeah. a yelling the F-word at the TV at a family <laughs> gathering or something, you know. Anyway, anyway, so that game has some moving parts
1: and um, one last piece it, on that game. What, what are we doing with Duke Johnson? Uh, I mean, have we seen enough to not do it again at this point? He still. I mean, he played. Let's see, nearly eighty percent of the snaps, and still just did nothing with it.
0: It's you know Deshaun's comfortable letting the ball rip, and um, yeah, New England's kind of back and forth that game. Yeah, how many carries did he have? I'm curious.
1: He had ten carries for fifteen yards. Man. And five targets, which he turned into three catches for twenty yards. I mean, I don't, I don't hate the opportunity. Three, yeah, plate. and it's not like we have a lot of opportunity cost on this slate, like we said, since the options are slim. So uh, I don't love Duke Johnson, but I also think that we're going to be forced to to make some plays that we don't necessarily love, and the opportunity is there if we want to go back to him again. I just thought I had to mention that. I mean, they have, the matchups there. The Lions are basically the bottom of the barrel
0: in every defensive rushing statistic. You, you know, whether it's DVOA or whatever you look at, they're getting gashed. I know Duke Johnson's not a gasher, but he has a good chance of anybody to score. Especially if they play with the right game script. If Stafford stinks or he's hurt, you know they're they're so, they're going to be missing pieces. You know, whether it's Galladay or Amendola or Swift, I don't see all of them playing. And mm-hmm. probably two of the three might miss. So, yeah, it's kind of scary. But I don't mind Duke Johnson. I mean, if you think people, if you think Connor's going to be the quote unquote leverage play, and people will talk about him, then yeah, go for Duke Johnson. Especially, he's right between mid price Gus Edwards, right, and Connor. Like he's he's, he's what fifty something. So yeah, fifty
1: seven hundred. Uh,
0: there maybe there's your lower own guy. Who's there's no recency bias to go off of. He's been pretty bad. Good matchup. I like it. Yeah. I like it. Hey, the 430 game, last game we'll talk about on this Thanksgiving card. So we pretty much covered the Steelers-Ravens game. The football team and the Cowboys, Andy Dalton had a ton of time off. Looked pretty good. Beat the Vikings. So, takeaways from that one? I mean, he has great receivers, great tools. Zeke got going a little bit. We know the Vikings defense isn't great, um, but it's not like the, the Washington defense is elite. But big NFC East game here, you know, for jockey for position. And I don't know, fantasy-wise, what, what are you thinking here? My my initial – the first thing I looked at, I did like five minutes of prep before the show because I kind of like coming on here and looking at things as we talk because it's my, like, natural reaction what's going on. J.D. McKissick finally didn't see a bajillion targets. He had 29 in the previous two weeks. I think he had like five. Um, they for once had a decent game script, though, and Gibson had, what, 16, 17 carries, something like that. So – I don't know, uh, just a, kind of a messy situation there between Gibson and McKissick, but I, I think I just prefer Gibson if, if you're holding a gun to my head.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think this is another good game. We've got Andy Dalton, like you said, back. Played pretty well. We obviously know there's a ton of weapons on this Dallas offense, so just looking, looking at the target distributions from this week, it was pretty spread out. Seven targets for Cooper, seven for Lamb. Five each for Gallup and Schultz, two for Zeke. So I think that is fine and what we would kind of expect. I think we'll spread the ball around a bit. And this is a, a, a good time to to take your stand in terms of which Dallas receiver that, that you're liking the most. I mean, I, for me, Lam, if I had to choose one, I'd probably pick C.D. Lamb as my guy i just think that that he's slowly taking over as the the alpha receiver in this offense i think ah, i don't know i i just like his chances the most of of putting in like a slate breaking type of performance now that said maybe as we get later in the week we realize that that he's going to be one of the higher owned guys gallup is 3500 wow Basically. But he hasn't scored any points in forever. But that's crazy price. I'm just I just looking at the prices now. So Cooper's at 5700, Lambs at 5400, and Gallup's all the way down at 3500. On two draft targets games. Sunday. That's it. Yeah, he hasn't had much of anything going. So that that's more of a dark throw there. I think the two core guys are going to be Core and Lamb, and I think Schultz is someone to to definitely mix in on this slate. I mean, I already said it with Aikens. If you can already tell. Uh, obviously, Mark Andrews is the the highest equity play at tight end on this slate, but I don't mind punting it off with the with the Schultz in this spot either. He's never going to get, he's never going to have a massive massive game, but you don't need that. You just need him to get into the end zone. And then there's Zeke. I mean, he's again having a slow season. I'm I'm I keep looking at the prices. I mean, it almost seems like you can play pretty much whoever you want. <laughs> like no one's really that expensive. So, for the most part, the salary cap's not going to going to limit us too much. So we're going to want to make sure that that we differentiate our lineups and don't play anything that's that's too chalky overall as a lineup and and would risk being duplicated. But yeah, just taking a quick look at that, especially if, you know, if you're not paying up at defense. There's going to be a lot of salary to play with. And, I mean, Zeke is probably the guy that you just play just because there's not much else on the slate. And you know that he's going to still get his work. Pollard was mixing in a bit yesterday, but Zeke's still going to get his 20, 25 carries. I'm
0: with you on CB Lamb. I think he is – well, Cooper's price is right there now too, so that's yeah, the price right near each other. That's tough. I at this point, I think Lamb will probably be a little more popular than Cooper. So maybe you know, maybe I try to get Cooper in my bills. Just a travesty that Brandon Cooks is still not even like fifty five hundred ever. Like they just won't. He's always cheap. Bring his price up. It's it's not like he's just a you know sixty yard eight guy who sees three targets a game or something. Like he's very much so involved pretty much the whole year since the one cash clunker he had and opening week against KC, where he might not have been a thousand percent healthy. So I I would imagine cooks to carry significant ownership. You know, you said salary cap probably won't dictate a lot of things. And cooks is probably going to be one of the reasons why, I mean, he's under Marvin Jones. I mean, and he's 600 cheaper than Juju. He's probably been a little more consistent than Juju throughout the year. You know, Galladay might not play. So I would just imagine uh, Cooks is probably going to be pretty popular play. I, was, I know we're talking about the Dallas game, but I was just looking at pricing here and I thought, wow, CU Lamb and Cooks, 54 and 53. So, yeah, I mean, there's a, a lot of options here. And uh, crazy what Claypool does. You know, last two weeks, he's caught eight passes and three of them were for touchdowns. So he kind of like makes the most of the opportunity as, I mean, he sees volume. But he doesn't see Deontay Johnson volume. His targets – so, like, just looking at week five against Philly, 11 targets. Then he's had ele- 4, one, nine, 13, 10, 8. So it's like, okay, had a couple really high-volume games and a couple not-so-high-volume games. You just think there's a point where, you know, like, Roethlisberger can't keep throwing 35, 40 times a game, right? Like, all three of these guys can't. You know, what was it, again, Cincinnati two weeks ago? Were they all pretty much at value, all three of the receivers? Yeah. Eventually, is the James Conner game going to come? I don't know. It'll be interesting to see ownerships and, like, what kind of leverage you can have between, you know, how you think they're going to score their points. Um, but, but against Baltimore, you would just think there's just not enough opportunity where all four of them are going to – like, you got to draw a line in the sand somewhere, I would think. But – yeah, I mean, and then, you know, Terry McLaurin practice Monday. Hopefully they're just resting him up. Gibson mispracticed too. Could be a short week thing. Just stuff to monitor. I mean, McLaurin, 7K, highest-priced receiver on the slate. Gotta love him. Good matchup. I mean, look, the Minnesota receivers just eight Dallas alive as well. It's not like Dallas' defense is any good.
1: Yeah. Yeah, McLaurin, he's probably one of the better raw plays on the slate I would say and like we said there's not the salary cap's not super restrictive so he'll, he'll certainly come with some ownership but at the same time you know you need you need you need those raw points on a slate like this so I'll, I'll definitely be looking to get McLaren into my lineups I don't know how do you feel about Alex Smith like i don't know i don't know how i feel about alex smith if if the upside is there to to be the the tournament winning quarterback this week i'm not so sure i think i'd i'd prefer dalton to smith if, if choosing between the two
0: yeah i mean he against detroit he threw the ball 55 times which is the second most he's thrown in his career 2 weeks ago didn't even throw a passing touchdown yeah. It's just a weird offense, right? He has two passing touchdowns in three games. And he's played the Giants, Detroit, and Cincy. So it's not like he's played, you know, Pittsburgh, Baltimore. And, right. In, in Tampa Bay or something. But I don't know. I'm with you. I, I just think, I think you're using Watson or Ben. Or if you think Lamar runs a lot, sure. If you think Stafford's healthy, sure. But, like, you know in the grand scheme of, of my personal rankings per dollar and upside, I think Smith and Dalton, they're kind of interchangeable after, after those four. So I don't, I, I probably now, I probably won't be playing any Alex Smith. Um, and, and you know what? I'm, I don't, Dalton looked much better. I just, I probably won't have a
1: ton of Dalton if any either. So, yeah. It's almost like just play the receivers. You don't have to stack them with Dalton. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the more the more I'm looking, I think the Deshaun I think is, seems to be in the tier of his own. Yeah, and then I put put Lamar and Ben behind him as, in terms of the upside that they have. Yeah, I think there's pretty clearly like three or two three tiers of quarterback. I mean, ah, I'll probably just go heavy on on Deshaun. The more I look, even if it's going to be chalky, it's also it's also an interesting one because that's the first game of the slate, right? So I think the Thanksgiving slate more so than ever, late swap becomes very important because you have three distinct games, you have plenty of time in between to evaluate where you're at compared to you know what you have left in your lineup. So, I think depending on how that first game goes, you should be shifting shifting your strategy because I imagine that there will be a lot of Deshaun Watson stacks out in front early on Thanksgiving. And if you fade that and, and the stack goes off, you need to get a little, bit, a little bit creative with the rest of your lineup. Yeah, I'm with you.
0: I'm, I'm interested to see Will Fuller versus Cook's ownership and who actually full stacks them. I feel like people, you know, that don't – some people just don't pair their quarterback up ever with more than one pass catcher, which is fine. Mm-hmm. But I think they're just going to see, wow, Brandon Coast continues to be discounted. Fuller, second, you know, biggest, you know, most expensive receiver on the slate. Uh, Maybe I'll just pay up and get McLaurin because we've seen his ceiling and Fuller's been kind of quiet. Or, you know, give me one of the two Pittsburgh guys that are right there. So it's possible that Fuller comes in a little lower than Cooks just, you know, in terms of money. Although, like you said, salary might not be a huge deal, but, you know, Zeke will be very popular. Um, Zeke will probably be 30, 35%, you know, three games. He's the guy. So it's possible that maybe Fuller is, like, slightly underowned. Like, maybe, like, I don't know, I expect cooks to be a little higher just off price, I think
1: yeah, I agree, just because of pricing. I think cooks cooks will be higher than fuller, which makes me k- kind of want to go to fuller a bit or or like you said, i mean I, I think double and triple stacking on a three game slate is a smart thing to do,
0: yeah, no, for sure.
1: Because, I mean, you can even throw yeah.
0: some some Duke Johnson in there, for I mean sure. I, I think some people would be like, well, I'm not playing Duke and a receiver, right, but three games I mean. Duke does catch the ball. Duke made a an actual living catching the ball every now and then out of the backfield for Cleveland. Like that, that's what he does. So, uh, you know, and Detroit's really bad against the run. So, if that's the game you think's gonna gonna be nails for you, it just gets to the point where, you know, you got to check out the health of Detroit and you know, who you're gonna run it back with, kind of thing. Um, I don't know. You want to run? You just run through some quick hits on the Sunday card. I mean, we're we're almost about to wrap up here, but. You know, maybe I'll bring up the game, and you just give me like your one or two thoughts. You know, yeah, let's do it. And then you can run it back with me. So, um, let's see what list do we have here. I have DraftKings Sportsbook in front of me. Let me see. Um, yeah, I don't know, I'll start it off. the fir- The first game I have in front of me here for Sunday is according to DraftKings Sportsbook is Cleveland and Jacksonville. We're a barn burner there, TJ. So. Ugh, I saw I saw your face, like man. Why did you give me this one first? What, what do you think about this game? What's like your gut feeling here?
1: Cleveland, Jacksonville. Gut feeling. I think you could probably look to Chubb in tournaments. The way you said, he just always has that that kind of hundred yard, multiple touchdown upside. I think Robinson, and I'm kind of going off the top of my head on this one, but I feel like Robinson is is one of the more underrated running backs in fantasy right now. So, and he seems to be pretty game script independent. So even when Jacksonville's expected to be playing from behind, he's still involved. So I, I would mostly look to to the running backs in that game, not a, not a ton of interest otherwise.
0: Yeah, and I, I I have no numbers in front of me because I was focused on Thursday. So I just pulled up the pricing. He's 6,300, which makes him about 10th or 9th most expensive. a so pretty high floor he's shown too, like you said, um, regardless of game flow there. Uh, good call. I mean, we know the Jags get gashed on the ground. I, I like the Nick Chubb idea. 7,100, so he's essentially the same price as he was against Philly. Um, so that's fun. But I'm with you there. You know, Baker Mayfield hasn't shown me anything. He had that one massive game. Everybody thought, okay, maybe you know, the five touchdown game, maybe Baker's, like, back. But that's not who he is. And, yeah, it could happen again. But I just I, – I don't see it. I love the Cleveland run game. They want to pound it. And, um, you know, you can run it back with DJ Chark or someone if if you feel that way. Um, Miami and the Jets is the next game on my list. Real fun AFC East class here. So what happened with Tua Sunday? Was he hurt? Did they just bench him? Was he getting, you know, was he getting clobbered? Everybody was jumping on the Tua train and just like that Drew Locke in Denver kind of derailed things temporarily.
1: Yeah, I think he got benched. From my understanding, at least. But then I also saw that he's starting next week, so a situation to monitor, but a strange one. I mean, the whole thing is strange. It was strange to me why he, why Fitz was even benched to begin with, and then to to go away from Tua in the middle of the game seems very very odd. So Lazy. maybe maybe we'll come out that he had an injury or a, a quote unquote injury to to save face a little bit there, but. Yeah, I mean, for that reason alone, right, it makes you makes it tough to go to anyone in the Miami passing game. I think, I think Ahmed in the backfield is is somewhat interesting to me. Could stack him with the Miami defense. That'd probably be the the main thing that I look to. And I mean, I'm sure Mims is probably Min Price again. I feel like if I'm if I'm ever looking for a a 3,500 receiver on DraftKings, like don't hate playing Mims if you really need salary relief. They, they don't seem to move his price up at all. It's not like he's having great games, but he can maybe get you 10 points.
0: No, yeah, I, I agree there. I agree there with you. Uh, Buffalo and the Chargers, your boy Josh Allen coming off a bye against Herbert. Could be a very uh, fun game there. Um, yeah, that
1: seems like a stackable one to me. Obviously, I think we know all the pieces there. You've got the, the Josh Allen stuff and dig stacks. You've got yep. Keenan Allen on the other side. Yeah, I think that's a great game to stack up, probably one of the better ones on the main slate.
0: Herbert up to 7,200. Love to see it. Love to yeah. see it. Wow, Keenan Allen, 8K, you were right. Yeah, so, but rightfully so. I mean, there's, there's going to be some points there, 54 over under. Buffalo's five and a, five and a half point favorites right now, like that. Uh, the Bengals and Giants could be a sloppy game, 42 and a half. Uh, total in that one we're probably gonna see Brian Finley for Cincinnati I'm assuming which is a big hit to all the the great pass catchers and that arsenal keep an eye on Joe Mixon's status you know if not Giovanni Bernard is always in play uh the Giants side I I just I am not gonna really play much of this game so yeah it's an ugly one. I'm just not gonna talk about it <laughs> I mean I don't know I mean both defenses are in play. Danny Dimes is kind of a gunslinger, still does some dumb stuff. Um and you know, obviously Ryan Finley, who was Ryan Finley, probably, you know, uh probably he threw a pick on Sunday in limited action already. So I mean yeah. if turnover hunting, you know, that's a game interesting, you know, for defense and special teams. How about a fun game, a better game? New England uh is home against Arizona, it looks like here. So um yeah, two and a half point spread, 49 and a half total. Cardinals traveling all the way to the East Coast. Are you a big, like, travel reverse time zone, like, statistic guy? How much do you weigh it?
1: I usually don't weigh that much, which maybe is a mistake. But, I mean, I guess my thoughts on all that is that that's built into the line, right? Like, the fact that Arizona's traveling across the country is built into the line. That they're two-and-a-half-point road favorites, right? Of course, going to love Cardinals. Kyler in this spot he's pretty much proven to be matchup proof at this point New England not not the greatest matchup but they they also haven't proven to be that that stout of a defense so but you know I, I'm not really looking to get too fancy with Kyler it's really Kyler Hopkins can mix in Kirk if you want to and then on the Patriots side again just kind of off the top of my head feels like it would be a good time to go back to Jacoby Myers on the run back just because he was chalky last week and got nothing going. So I feel like that's a classic bounce back spot on that side of the ball. Atlanta, Las Vegas,
0: 55.5 total. Falcons can't let us down again, right? I'm sure they could. Raiders, man, almost squeaked it out against Mahomes and company. Prime time took a, a go ahead game winning drive from Mahomes to Kelsey on Sunday night football. And I got to say I made a lot of fun of John Gruden and you know the things he did when he took over and signing fullbacks and whatever and just having very vanilla. Like there was a point earlier in the season where all Derek Carr was throwing was five yard outs. Like that was it. That was it. It looked bad. So I don't know what changed, but he's looked progressively better, throwing the ball a little deeper. He looked very comfortable against the Chiefs, who, you know, aren't a defense to write home about, but still, I mean he revitalized Nelson Aguilar's career a little bit. I'm sure it's nothing you want to hear. Um, Henry Rugg still hasn't been found. No, Darren Waller is obviously in play in this game for sure. You know, we talk tight ends how it's normally ugly. Well, he's in a smash spot in a good uh, game environment here. And, you know, Atlanta, I mean, Las Vegas, they have a very, very, very young secondary. Uh, all their – not all their corners. I don't want to group them. Most of their starting corners are in a 4 forty or worse. They're clocked at. So – Keep an eye on Julio. Love Ridley regardless. Um, I mean, you would think there would have to be points here. So whether you're going with the girly in the run game or, the, or, or through the air and vice versa with Jacobs, who's looked really good. So this will probably be a game that um, will definitely carry some ownership at their uh, respective positions where the
1: stars are. Yeah, definitely a very stackable game. Julio Jones 6,500 on draft games. That's quite cheap. For Jen. So definitely monitor him throughout the week.
0: Yeah. Darren Waller, 6K flat against Atlanta. I, I don't hate that if you're looking to to pay up. Um, you know, Josh Jacobs has been pretty good the last couple of weeks. Kind of hate that he's in this weird little timeshare with Devontae Booker. It's almost like they have scripted series. I, I, I don't remember where – I think it was like mid-second quarter. Booker played like the whole series. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like, well, we'll give Jacobs a, a breather. I, I don't know. It's just it's just weird to me. but. Uh, You know, Jacobs isn't cheap anymore either, $7,200. So uh, we'll see. Maybe he is, um, you know, maybe he's a little under-owned. There's a couple games where I don't have lines for in front of me, so I knew that there was more games on the card. But we do have to talk about Minnesota and Carolina. Dalvin Cook's $9,500, highest-priced running back. And P.J. Walker, the XFL savior himself coming over, filling in for Teddy. You know, that's obviously some critical injury news there. But, you know, there's going to be some points in that game, too. You know, whether it's Dalvin or the receivers, uh, if Teddy plays, you know, all three of those. Carolina receivers are in play, too. And uh, Mike Davis had a nice little bounce-back game as well last week. So, 9,500 for Dalvin Cook. Is it rightfully so, TJ?
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm glad that they made him 9,500. So, that makes you think a little bit. If he was in the 8Ks, it would just be an auto-click. So, He'll be the, the highest projected play on the slate, I'm sure. The other thing that we'll want to monitor is that I saw Thielen was placed on the COVID list. Oh, wow. So, if Thielen is out, that obviously is a bump to everyone in that offense. Yeah. So, I mean, I, th- I think certainly Cook and Jefferson become even more viable if, if Thielen is taken out. I don't know exactly his status, but something to, to pay attention to this week for sure.
0: Absolutely. Um, New Orleans and Denver, I don't have a line on that either yet, but we'll see what Taysom Hill can do against you know outdoors, mile high. I don't know what is Taysom price. Let me look. I saw Kamara's 82, I think he's 6,200. Taysom, 62. I mean, that'll be a pass for me,
1: yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I mean, the only reason to play him last week was because he was so cheap. I, I don't. There's still got to be some benching risk built in there. I would I would think, and yeah, I mean, they they, they made a pretty quick adjustment on Kamara's price, taking him down to eighty two hundred. Eh, probably can't do it. Probably can't do it if he's not going to catch any passes with Taysom there. So and and if you believe that the Michael Thomas Taysom Hill connection was real, he's only seventy four hundred. Yeah. So that's that's one to to keep an eye on too.
0: Forty-three and a half total only. Saints are five-and-a-half point favorites. So uh, that's what Vegas says. But, yeah, you made made a lot of really good points there. Um, Tennessee and the Colts, we talked about that briefly. Big AFC South rematch. You know, Derrick Henry, can they get him going? Can they keep him going? A lot of injuries there. Also keep an eye on with the Ravens' COVID news. I mean, the Titans just played the Ravens. It's very popular. I know some of the Titans had COVID already, so whatever you believe in whatever CDC guidelines you're buying into for the day. Um, who knows? Just something to monitor. A lot's going to change with, you know, a lot that we just talked about up until Sunday with the way things are moving. Um, is there anything on the main card that I didn't bring up? I'm trying to scroll through. No,
1: I think you got everything. I got them pulled up here. Yeah. touched. Uh, uh, San Francisco Rams was the San only one that you didn't. Rams, seven-point home favorite, San Francisco. I mean, it's, it's the same old story with the Rams that they're playing tonight on Monday, but you never, never quite know what you're going to get, but you can always go to a, a, cup, or a cup or a woods in, in tournaments. Or, and Josh Reynolds even can, can sometimes pop. So that's the typical roulette wheel with, with the Rams side of things.
0: Kansas City, Tampa Bay. I know we were recording Monday Kansas. evening. That's the other one I wanted to. Yeah, that's a good one too. Twenty five. You know, Tampa Bay's pretty good on the outside defensively. Um, but Mahomes and Company are just, you know, kind of a different breed of what they do. Um, and I'm curious to see how Brady plays Monday night here. He obviously was awful two weeks ago against the Saints, got embarrassed, took out his frustration on Carolina. If you're playing a he say she said game that you can't, you're like, Okay, New Orleans destroyed, absolutely destroyed Tampa Bay. And then Tom Brady absolutely destroyed Carolina, and Carolina just blanked Detroit. So it's like, how bad is Detroit if you're playing the? He beat, you know, he said, she said, game here, but uh, transfer property, yeah. <laughs> uh, obviously, a lot of fantasy point produ- possible production in that four twenty five game between Tampa Bay and Casey. Just just really hard with Antonio Brown being so relevant so quickly, and like, where's the ball actually going to go? And you still got Ronald Jones and Fournette. We don't know who. Ronald Jones is sleeping with no organization to continue to get touches. But if we find out, we'll let you know. It's just kind of hard to figure out where the ball's going in Tampa. TJ?
1: Yeah, definitely one of those offenses where on any given week it could be be any one of the guys. So, can kind of mix in different different options there if you're going with a, with a Mahomes, Tyreek, Kelsey kind of stack on the, the other side, which I'm sure – people will be doing because it's always a good play.
0: <laughs> man, they are giving away Drew Locke 5,100 on draft case anymore. I'm just scrolling through prices. PGA, begging you to play him. Yeah, Walker's more expensive than him. That's crazy. Yeah, anything else, man, before we get out of here? Anything on either the Thursday slate or Sunday? I know we quickly went through Sunday because Thursday is obviously a long – Long day, big day. It's fun to do well on those holiday slates, and um, hopefully some of the stuff we covered you will know, help you guys all out that are listening.
1: Yeah, no, not too much to add. Enjoy, enjoy the Thanksgiving. Enjoy Thursday. Always a fun slate. Make sure you're, you're paying attention throughout the day. Monitoring opportunities for late swaps if you're playing. I think that's, that's key, especially on this slate. And it should be a fun one, and then we'll be, be right back at it to, to get back to Sunday. We'll have all the the standard Sunday content at Roto-Grinders in addition to, to some special Thanksgiving stuff that the guys are going to be putting out.
0: TJ, where can the people find you on the Twitter machine?
1: The people can find me on Twitter at TJL5124GFS. Be coming out my GPP article on Friday for the main slate, so no, no Thanksgiving-specific content from my end, but we'll be doing my typical main slate tournament lineup coming out on Friday. Awesome. Awesome.
0: Hey guys, subscribe to us. Give us a like, give us some feedback. We want to hear your thoughts. Tell us what you want to hear. You know, got any questions, feel free to DM one of us hit TJ up on Twitter, hit me up on Twitter at the J Carlucci, whatever we can do to help. We will the right direction. You didn't help with Roto grinder stuff. You know, the packages are amazing. We have all the sports covered, our discord, you know, maybe we don't talk about the discord enough, but just have an access to our discord where, you know, our analysts float in and out and you can ask people whatever you want. And uh, just a really good network, you know, a good group of people our premium members are, you know, you make, make good friends in it too, you know, just uh, it's good to be involved with uh, people who are like-minded. So uh, good stuff, man. Have a good holiday, TJ. And, and to all the listeners have a good safe holiday, good long weekend. If you're going Black Friday shopping, be safe out there. Did you see our governor, TJ and PA, just uh clamped down and said on Wednesday, which is the huge booze night, obviously across America, alcohol sales have to be stopped by five PM on Wednesday. I did see that,
1: and I was not happy about that. Crazy. Crazy. That's something. Crazy. I'm not sure i I'm not sure on that one. Well,
0: 2020 for you. Yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll save that for the pandemic podcast. But anyway, for TJ Lasing and the rest of the Roto Grinders crew, I'm Justin Carlucci. Have a good Thanksgiving and good luck this week.